Psalm 27, uh, we're going to go through the, the whole chapter tonight. If you found that, you can stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Psalm chapter 27 is a psalm of David. And our initial reading, we're just going to go through the first six verses, and then we're going to work our way through this chapter. Psalm 27, if you've got it, say amen. amen. And this is what it says. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. I want to draw your attention to verse 4. Let's look at what it says. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. I've titled the message tonight, One Thing, People. One thing, people. You may be seated. Now, as I said, this is a psalm of David. And uh, the psalm before us really is one of confident praise and prayer. In fact, it, it divides into parts. We read the first six verses, but after that, it turns into a prayer. Uh, the first half is praise for the power and the deliverance of God. And the second half is a prayer for the Lord's help. And David speaks of the power of God. He speaks of the strength of God, his salvation, and the confidence that that inspires. The strength of God inspires confidence in his people. And the focus of this psalm is David's one thing. And that is the pursuit of knowing God himself. David desired to know God himself. In fact, at all times, God is in view with David. Uh, in his times of confidence, God is in view. In his times of trouble, God is, his, uh, is what he's looking to, who he's looking to. In his times of trouble, in his times of prayer, in his times of, de of deliverance at all times, David is always keeping God in his view. In whatever circumstance David found himself, God was always the centerpiece. He was always looking to God. He was always in pursuit of God. He was constantly uh, looking to God for his help and for his salvation. David made God his one thing, and so should we. Tonight, we're talking about one thing, people, and we're going to discover that a little later on in this psalm. But first of all, I want to draw your attention uh, back to verse 1. I want you to notice that the Lord is sufficient for his people. Look at verse 1. The Lord is my light 
and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So David, of course, and I don't know at what point in David's life this psalm comes from. David had a life full of hardships and trouble. He knew all about it. He had a degree in hardships and trouble. He knew everything about uh, what it meant to suffer and have afflictions and have people turn on him. He understood that. And so he's been through all these things. Uh, You think back to the times where Saul was hunting David. You think back to the time uh, when he faced off with the Philistine giant. David had seen a lot of things in his day. And, and David could look back over his life and said, I've seen some tough times in my life. He could look back through his life and say, I've seen some hard days in my life. And he had many battles and difficulties, but here was the thing. Amidst all that darkness, David was not in darkness himself. Why? Because the Lord is his light. That's what he says in the first verse. Over in Psalm chapter 84, verse 11 and 12, you don't have to go there, but it says, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is a man that trusteth in thee. I love that it says the Lord is a sun and also a shield. He's the light that shines upon us. He is also the help that blocks the enemy. And David understood that. David mixed all the darkness that he had experienced in his life, yet he had the light of God on him, shining on him at all times. I want to say the Lord is our light. David said that very first thing in this psalm. He said the Lord is my light. He said, the Lord is my light. I wa- I, it reminded me over in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Remember what it says? This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. It talks about if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with him. What a joy it is to have fellowship with the light of life, with Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. What a blessing it is to have the light of life that shines down upon us. And he is our sun and he is our shield that is with us at all times. What a blessing it is. He says, the Lord is my light. Church, today, the Lord is still the light of his people. David says, the Lord is my light in a world of darkness. God is the light of his people. You think about light, it reveals. It makes things clear. It shows us a clear way forward. It shows us the way. It shines on things. Without without light, we stumble, don't we? We can't see where we're going. We don't know what we're doing. Without light, we stumble. But when the light comes on, everything becomes clear. See, God makes things clear for his people. You may have some fog going on tonight, but I want you to know that God is our light, and he'll make things clear for you. He brings the light when we can't see the way forward. He says, let me show you the way. The Lord is my light. We may say, but God, there are enemies all around me. And he says, don't worry. I'm also going to be your shield. The Lord is our light and he is our shield and light reveals things. See, David had to walk through some very dark places in his life. We will too. But David didn't have to walk in the darkness because David had the light. 
And David said, the Lord is my light. You might have to walk through some really dark places in this life. You maybe already have. You may be walking through them right now. But with Jesus, you will have the light of life. You don't have to walk in darkness. And with David, you can say tonight, the Lord is my light. Can you say that tonight? The Lord is my light. Say that again. The Lord is my light. Whose light? Mine too. I like that, don't you? The Lord is my light. Now, not only that, but he says the Lord is my salvation. Look again at verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? See, David was not in darkness. David was not in darkness. He filled his heart with the things of God. And because he did, he filled his life with light. When you walk with the Lord, what are you doing? You're filling your life with light. In a world of darkness that wants to, that wants to encroach on you, you uh, seem to not be able to find the way to go, and so you fill your heart with the, with the things of God, and as you do, you're filling your life with light. It lights away, but not only that, the Lord is our salvation. See, David experienced deliverance. You could say, uh, the Lord is my salvation. You could say, the Lord is my deliverance, is what it means. And David said, the Lord has been my salvation, my deliverance. Many times, God was with David, and David had experienced that. You know, David was a man of war. Did you know that? David was a man of war, but God made him a man of victory, Isn't that wonderful? If we have to fight battles, we do it with the Lord. God will take a man of war and he'll make us a man of victory. When we gotta fight battles in our life, God can take that war and turn it into blessings and turn it into victory. He can fight with us. See, David knew the hand of the Lord. David knew the power of God. He could confidently say, the Lord is my salvation. Just like he could say, the Lord is my light. He said, the Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my deliverer. David was inspired by confidence in God because he knew that God was faithful. You know, God is faithful. And David was inspired with that confidence. He said, the Lord is my light. He's been my light. He will be my light. And he's been my deliverance. And he will be my deliverance. See, David knew that God had saved him many times in this life. And not only that, but he knew that he would save him in the life to come. Not only has he been his deliverance here, but God would be David's deliverance there. And so David had a confidence in his life. And when the Lord is your salvation, when the Lord is your deliverer, when the Lord is your light, who should you fear? David said, I've got confidence. He says, you know what? I don't have to fear because I'm trusting in my light. I'm trusting in my salvation. I'm trusting the one that's got it covered here and got it covered there and everything in between. So since that's true, I can walk in victory knowing that God is with me. Amen. When we are trusting in Jesus, we have nothing to fear in this life or the next for God holds time and eternity in his hand. We don't have to worry about what may come our way. But not only that, he says, the Lord is my strength. Let's look at verse 1 again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, when we think of strength, we think of muscles. Well, to an extent, we could say that. And I don't want to do that too much. I'm liable to rip this suit with these. Woo! Hallelujah. Just want to make sure you're still listening. I know you're not supposed to lie while you're preaching. <laughs> we, think of, we think of strength, but really he's talking about a fortress. He's talking about fortification. He's talking about strength primarily in that way. He's talking about a defense, a stronghold. He's saying, the Lord is the fortress of my life. Yeah, he's the strength, he's the power, he's, he's all of those things too, but he's also that place, he's that stronghold that I can go to. See, David was writing, obviously, from a place of difficulty in this, in this psalm, obviously a place of trouble by the things that he's talking about, but he's confident because he knows God is his light, God is his salvation and his strength, and David knew what it meant to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, and he also knew what it meant to to find security in the Lord and to find that fortified place, that place of hiding in him. And that's what he's talking about. The Lord is the strength of my life. He's the fortress of my life. You know, David was a man that God had raised up. David was a life given by God. And when God gives life, he also sustains that life. When God raises up a man, he'll also sustain that man. He'll also keep that man. And God was doing it. And David could confidently say, God is the strength of my life. He's my light. He's my, he is my salvation. And he is my salvation and my strength. He is my fortress. I love that, don't you? And so it brings us to the next point, that the Lord is bigger than our fears, he talks about that a couple times here in verse one. The Lord's my light, my salvation, whom shall I fear? Then at the last part of it, he says, whom shall I be afraid? David came to the conclusion that fear was not necessary. That's what, that's what he landed on. When he considered what he's already said in these verses, my light, my salvation, my strength, he said, wait a minute, what do I need to be afraid of? If I've got God, what do I need to be afraid of? Who do I need to be afraid of? If I have the fortress to hide in, what, what do I need to be afraid of? Should David come to the conclusion, well, I just don't need to be afraid of anything. Isn't that a good place to be? It'd be a great place to be, isn't it? He says, I don't need to be afraid about anything. I don't need to be afraid of my past. I don't need to be afraid of my present. I don't need to be afraid of my future because the future that I have is in God's hand. And he said, if God's on my side, I don't need to worry about what may happen to me. David understood God was everything that he needed. He understood that God was going to be his deliverance in this life, but also in the life to come. Just like us, we know that Jesus is our victory in this life but also in the life to come. We have hope in Jesus Christ. We have a fortress. He's our light, our salvation, and our strength. We can have confidence in God. We know that the Lord is bigger than our fears. David realized God is bigger than my fears. In Psalm 91, you know the verse. Verse one, it says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Big things cast big shadows. 
And he's saying, the Lord is watching over me. The Lord is watching over me. The thing, the wonderful thing about this, I'll hide under the shadow of the Almighty because there's never going to be anything big enough to overshadow his shadow. I like that. No shadow will ever overshadow the shadow of the Almighty, not even the shadow of death. It's a good place to be, amen? I will dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. William Grinnell, he was from the 1600s. He said something beautiful. I love it. One Almighty is more than many mighties. One Almighty is more than many mighties. It doesn't matter how big they are, how many there is. One Almighty is greater than all the mighties that this world has to offer. They can all come against God, but there is one Almighty, and it is Jehovah God, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. <laughs> Believers in Christ, He's our light. He's our salvation. Are you getting this? He is our strength. Our fears have been defeated on the cross. Death and hell defeated on the cross. Jesus has won the victory. And because of that, he's bigger than our fears. He's bigger. God is bigger. He's defeated all of our enemies and we are hidden with Christ and God. Romans says, if God be for us, who can be against us? That's a wonderful statement. Not only that, but the Lord is the defense of his people. Look at verses two and three. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me in this, will I be confident. David could be confident because he had seen the hand of God move in the past. He had known the hand of God. David had seen God in action. He had seen the hand of God. He knew deliverance. I, I love what it says here. It says, the enemy came to eat up my flesh and they stumbled and fell. I think about uh, the fact that the enemy can't stand in the presence of God. Have you thought about that? They stumble and fall. You think about Goliath, the Philistine giant. Let me read what Goliath said to you over in 1 Samuel 17, 44. And the Philistine said to David, come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Doesn't that sound familiar to what David just said in this psalm? When the enemy come and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, what happened? They stumbled and fell. And when Goliath came taunting the armies of the Lord, taunting the living God, come out there and said, come to me and I'm going to give you to the birds of the air. David said, no, you're not. The battle's the Lord. And with one stone, that giant stumbled and fell and he was done for the count. The enemy can't stand in the presence of God. The enemy stumbled and fell. Oh, I love that. You think about the man who came to arrest Jesus in the garden. Oh, now, isn't this beautiful? I laughed about this. I actually laughed a lot about this when I thought about it. If somebody went by my house, they would have heard me just hysterically laughing for a while when I was thinking about this. The enemy can't stand in the presence of God. 
they came in uh, with Judas and they asked, uh, Jesus said, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And what did Jesus say in John 18, verse six? As soon then, as he said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. <laughs> the enemy is powerless in the presence of God. They can't stand, and what happened? They come to arrest Jesus, and the enemy stumbled and fell. They couldn't stand in the presence of God. <laughs> Can you think about that? Charles Spurgeon said it so beautifully. He said, God's breath blew them off their legs. <laughs> The enemy stumbled and fell. They came to take Jesus, and he said, not unless I say so. We're looking for Jesus. And he said, I am. Off their legs they go. And the enemy stumbled and fell. The enemy cannot stand in the presence of God. That's what he's saying. He said, they come to eat up my flesh. He said, Goliath came to make a mockery out of me. And you know what happened? He ended up being bird food. How about that? These things should make us confident in the Lord, don't they? Don't they inspire confidence? That's what David's talking about. He said, I'm confident in my God. He said, I'm confident in what my God can do. Oh, man, I love that. Now, not only that, the Lord should be the desire of his people. He should be our one thing. Talking about one thing people. David is a one thing person. Now, watch this. Verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that w and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and then he said three things. Did you catch that? Look at these three things. Number one, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Number two, to behold the beauty of the Lord. Number three, to inquire in his temple. Three things he said. He said one thing, and then he said three things. David, come on. But you know what it, what it is, is you take those three things, and they can be summed up into one thing. The pursuit of God. He said, one thing I desire. These are three things that are part of that. But it all sums up into one thing. I want God. I want more of God. I want, I'm in the pursuit of God. The Lord himself was David's desire. He said, that's what I want. The Lord was his one thing. David's primary desire was to be in the presence of God, to see him in his glory and to learn more and more of him. David's one thing was the Lord himself, and that was his consuming desire because David was a one-thing person. I have to ask myself, am I a one-thing person? I'm... 
Can I say that the Lord is my one desire? Can I say that the pursuit of God is the one thing that I really, really care about? It's a good question for all of us to ask ourselves. Are we one thing people? That's what we're talking about here. See, one thing people are in pursuit of God. One thing people are in pursuit of God. He says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. One thing people are only satisfied when they can drink of the depths of the water of life. One thing people are only satisfied when they can feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ. One thing people want to be in the presence of the Lord. They want to draw nearer to God. They want to be where God is. They want to see him in his glory. They want to know more about him. One thing people want to get close, closer and closer and closer to God, as close as they can get. Because the presence of God is all they desire. You know who else was a one thing person? The Apostle Paul. Paul was a one thing person. Over in Philippians chapter three, verses 13 and 14. You know these scriptures, but maybe you haven't read it in this way. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. There it is. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I determined... One thing also is that David and Paul went to the same school because he said one thing is what I desire and then he said three things. Okay, so what is Paul's three things that equal one thing? Well, number one, he said forgetting those things which are behind. Number two, reaching forth unto those things which are before. Number three, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, what I want more than anything is Christ. He says, I'm in pursuit of Christ. So one thing I do, I leave my past where it belongs. And I look forward to the prize that is the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm reaching forward with both hands because all that I want is Christ. He's all that I desire. He's everything to me. I've left it all behind. I've abandoned it all. None of that stuff that I used to know makes any difference to me. All that I want now is Christ and Christ alone. He says in that same chapter that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul said one thing, I'm a one thing guy. I care about Jesus and that's it. Christ and him crucified. I care about Jesus Christ. I'm a one thing person. I want more of him. I want the life of Christ living in me. He said, I'm a one thing person. David said, I'm a one thing person. We should be one thing people that says, Jesus Christ, you are all that I need. You are all that I desire. You are all that I want. Oh God, have your way in me. We should be one thing people, one thing people. We should have a desire to be where God is, a desire for his presence. That's what David was talking about. I want to be where the Lord is. He says in verse 4, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He wanted to be in the presence of God. 
In David's day, the, the tabernacle was the place of worship. That's where they would go. That's where he could experience the presence of God in a special way. It's where the Ark of the Covenant was. It's where the mercy seat was. But today, we have direct fellowship with Jesus Christ through the cross of Calvary. We can go straight into the presence of God. We ought to want to be in the presence of God. That should be one of our one things. We should have a desire to see him in his glory. David said that. He said, to behold the beauty of the Lord. I want to be in the presence of the Lord that I may see the beauty of the Lord. That I may know him. I want to be where he is. To see the Lord, to see the beauty of the Lord. We should have that desire. Lord, I want to be closer to you that I may see more of your glory, more of your beauty, more of your wonderful graces and mercy. Not only that, but we should have a desire to grow in the knowledge of him. A desire to grow in the knowledge of him. He says in the last part of verse 4, to inquire in his temple. He says, I, I want to be where you are. I want to see your glory, and I just want to talk to you and learn about you. I just want to know more about you. I just want to be in your presence. See, if you'll make Christ your one thing here, he'll also be your one thing hereafter. You realize that? That if Christ is your one thing here, that hereafter he'll also be your one thing there. I think about the fact that in the life to come, we will be where God is. You realize that? We will see him in his glory and in his majesty. We will learn of him in the ages to come. We're going to be where he is. We're going to see who he is. We're going to know all about him. And for the ages to come, we're going to learn more and more and more about our glorious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a one thing person. It's for here and hereafter. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Listen. And he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. We're going to be trophies of his grace. The angels are going to walk by and say, how did he get here? By the grace of God. That's how. And for the ages to come, we're going to learn of the glory and the majesty and the grace of God. We're going to be in his presence. We're going to see him in his fullest. We're going to know him in his fullness. We're going to learn of him. We're going to continually learn more and more about our Savior and his wonderful mercy towards us. For a one thing person, that is a beautiful thing. And that's what Paul was saying. That's what David was saying. That's what I want to say. Lord God, make me a one thing person. God, make me a one thing person. Even if I have to count three things like they did. There are blessings in the presence of the Lord. Look at verse 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me. 
In his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle, shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. See, we're not exempt from trouble, but in the time of trouble, we're not going to be destroyed if we're resting in Christ Jesus. We have a hiding place in him. There's a blessing to being in the presence of the Lord. We have a hiding place. See, the Lord is a shelter. He says he's a pavilion. He's, he's a shelter, and he's going to hide us from trouble. Now, David was saying in that verse 5, in the secret of his tabernacle, I believe he's talking about the, holy, the holiest of holies, the holy of holies. I believe he's talking about that secret place that only the high priest could go in where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the mercy seat was, where they would sprinkle the blood. And David was saying, I'm going to be near to God. I'm going to be close to God. And God's going to give me access to even the most secret place. God's going to let me into the secret place where no one else can go. But God's my friend, and he loves me, and he's going to let me in. He's going to give me access. And today, through the blood of Jesus, we have obtained mercy, and we have obtained access to the most secret place. We are hidden with Christ in God. Isn't that good? When the times of trouble come, he says, I'm going to be in the place that no one would dare go lest they be killed on the spot. In, the, in those days, anyone that went into the holiest of holies, they would instantly be killed unless they had access. And David says, in the time of trouble, God's going to give me access. And he has given us access through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are hidden with Christ in God. I love that. In his presence, there's security and stability. He says at the end of that verse 5, he says, he shall set me up upon a rock. He's going to set me up upon a rock. So not only is he going to hide me when the troubles come, but he's going to put me on a rock. I'm going to have a place of stability. And David knew there was stability in the Lord. Even when the world is falling apart, he understood you're going to find stability in the Lord Jesus. And today we stand on the same rock that David talked about, and that rock is Jesus. The hymn, the hymn writer said, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen. Yes, praise God. The same rock that David talked about, that same rock. He didn't know him as Jesus, but we know him as Jesus. David knew him as the Lord, but we know him as Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. How much more do we have to give praise to God for? We have access to that secret place. We have the light of glory living inside of us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Wow. We've got it made, don't we? We sure do. The Lord inspires confident hope and joy. Look at verse 6. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. 
Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Christ gives us hope for today. You realize that? Hope for today. Right now, here and now. Christ gives us hope for today. People, you think about this. People who are depressed and ashamed, what do they do? They're always looking. They got something on their shoes or something. They're always looking down. People are depressed. They hang their head. And David says, now shall my head be lifted up. Confident hope and joy for today. He said, now. I got hope now. He said, have you heard what I just wrote down? I got hope. It gives me hope to read what he wrote. And people that are depressed and they're ashamed, their heads are hanging down, but Christ Jesus is the lifter of the head. He's the lifter of our head, and he brings hope and joy. He will lift our heads, and he will lift us up above the enemy and put our feet on a solid foundation. That's what David's saying. He says, he says, God is going to lift me up. He's going to lift my head. I don't have to hang it down in, in sorrow and shame. He said, the Lord's going to lift my head. He's going to give me hope and joy, and he's going to bring me up above my enemies. He's going to lift my head up above my enemies, and he's going to put me on a solid foundation. He says, boy, that gives me hope. That gives me confidence. That gives me joy. And he says, when I'm at that place, I'm going to sing and give praise to God. He says, yeah, I'm going to sing and praise God. I'm going to give glory to God. See, fellowship with Christ elevates us to a higher plane. Only when your foot is on the rock will your head be above your enemies. Otherwise, you're all down there fighting and doing whatever. But when you get on the rock, your head's lifted up. You can see it all. And Christ is there with you. And you're hidden with Christ and God. And you have that security and that confidence and that boldness. And you can just cut loose and sing at the top of your lungs and just let it rip. And you should. And you should. That's what David is saying. He says, therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. David was saying, I'm going to praise God because God is good. Amen. He's saying, because he's my light. Because he's my salvation, because he's my strength, my desire, my one thing, my hiding place. He is the solid rock on which I stand. He is the lifter of my head, the defeater of my enemies. He says, I'm going to praise God because God is good. I'm going to sing praises to my God. He is good and worthy to be praised. He can turn your mourning into dancing. He can turn your sadness into gladness. He can put a song in your mouth and let you sing praises to the God of glory from a place of safety and security. He's the lifter. He'll lift you up. In Psalm 40, you remember what he says? 
He says, he brought me up also out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock and he put a new song in my mouth. He established my goings. That's the same thing we ought to do because we've been lifted up out of the miry clay. We've had our feet put on the rock of Christ Jesus. That means we ought to open our mouth and sing praises to the God who did it. We ought to sing praises to the God who is our light, who is our salvation, who is our strength, who is our hiding place, who is the lifter of our head. We ought to give God glory for what he's done. You ought to praise him in this house tonight. I'm going to do it if you don't. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The works of God's going to inspire joy and hope inside of you. When you see what he's done, when you see where he's brought you from, when you see where you're going, it ought to inspire hope inside. That's what I'm talking about. That's what David's talking about. It's called being a one-thing person. One-thing person. Let your confidence in the Lord inspire believing prayer. Now, you're going to notice a dramatic turn in this psalm right here. And some people have suggested that they were two psalms put together. I, you know, the, the Bible's put them together. I'm going to stick with that. I don't see any reason why you got to separate them because, you know, in life, sometimes things can change like that. And so David was saying, confident, soaring praise, way up on the rock, head lifted up. Man, things are good. And now he says, but I still got some problems. Has <laughs> anybody still got some problems? And so look at verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. What I would say with this is take the confidence that you've known and the joys that you've known in the Lord and turn that into believing prayer for your present circumstance that you're at right now. We're lit, we, we were shouting and praising God, but we still got problems. We're still here. <laughs> we, I mean, that's just the way it is. We're here. We got problems. So take what you know of the Lord, your light, your strength, your salvation. Take that confidence and turn it into prayer. Turn it into prayer, believing prayer for the circumstance that you have. And he says, have mercy upon me and answer me. I'm reminded, well, let me say this. I, the Lord's ear is open to his people. You realize that. I, I think I said that last week. God is always listening. He's always there. He's always willing to hear your cry. And the book of Hebrews says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So just like we were talking about earlier, we've got access into the secret place. Well, we've got access into that throne of grace where we can find the mercy and the hope that we need. We've got access to that throne of glory where Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior sits. We've got access to that place. So we can take those needs, we can take those problems, we can take those troubles straight to him 
And that's exactly what we should do. Now, here's something else. We should be eager to respond to the call of God. Eager to respond to the call of God. Seek his face. Look at verse 8. When thou saidest, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. See how quick that was? Just like that. David's got a problem. Hear my cry, O Lord. The Lord says, David, seek my face. And David says, you ain't got to ask me twice. Your face I am seeking. Consider it sought. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's basically what he's saying. He's saying. He's saying, I will seek your face. Every believer is called by God to seek his face. Every believer should call on God and seek God's face, not just in times of trouble, but all the time. But when the troubles come, we can go straight to him. And sometimes God will use circumstances to call us to seek his face. Sometimes he'll use the difficulties in our life to call us to seek his face. Sometimes he'll, he'll bring circumstances, allow circumstances in our life, and it's him saying, seek my face. God is saying, seek my face. How often do we try to find our hope in other things and, and all these other uh, places that we might go in our refuge, but God perhaps is saying to you in that moment, seek my face. And should we not be like David in the same moment that God says it, says, Lord, I am seeking your face. Matthew Henry said this, God calls us by his spirit, by his word, by his worship, and by special providences. Merciful and afflicting. When we were foolishly making court to lying vanities, God is in love to us, calling us to seek our own mercies in him. The call is general, seek ye my face, but we must apply it to ourselves. I will seek it. He's saying, God may call you in many ways. He may call you in blessing. He may also call you in adversity. But when God calls, we need to be quick to answer. We should be persistent even if God seems distant. Look at verse 9. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not. Neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. This is important. He said, hide not thy face far from me. So soaring praise. He goes to God. God says, seek my face. And he says, I'm seeking it. And then David says, I don't feel like you're very near. Don't hide your face from me, Lord. Just because it feels like God is distant doesn't mean that he is. It doesn't mean that he's absent. Just because you don't feel his presence doesn't mean that he's not there. He's given us his promise that says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So it's never a question, is God there or not? It's that you don't have the awareness. It's simply an issue of awareness. I don't feel your presence right now, Lord. But on the authority of your word, I know that you're here. I know that you're right here. I know that you never left me. I know that you're right here. I just don't feel it. And David says, Lord, don't hide your face from me. You're there, but I don't know that you're there. But that doesn't mean God is absent because he's promised that he will never leave us 
nor forsake us. There may be times that we break fellowship with God through sin. The Holy Spirit will convict you of that. Fellowship can be restored. Confess your sins, repent of those, turn to Christ. That fellowship is restored. God is not left, though. God is present. Seek his face. We should be inspired by past help. He said, thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God, of my salvation. And we should take heart because God will not forsake his own. Look at verse 10. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Even if our family and our closest friends and relatives forsake us, God will not. He said, if my father and my mother forsake me and kick me to the curb, God will not. God will take me up. Because God is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So we should pray and believe God for guidance. Look at verse 11 and 12. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. Because of my enemies, deliver me not over unto the will of my enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. So he says in that verse 11, teach me thy way, O Lord. Living God's way will save us a lot of pain and heartache. You realize that? I think we all realize that when we look back. Living God's way will save us a lot of unnecessary hardship. That's why the Bible says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And then he says, Lead me in a plain path because of my enemies. So he says, Lord, the enemy's watching me. The enemy's watching me. He says, So give me a plain path. He says, Lord, give me a secure path that's clear and level. He's saying it doesn't have to be easy, but Lord, I want to be sure that it's leading to you. Give me a clear path, Lord. Don't, don't give me over to the will of my enemies. They're watching me. They're watching me every day. They want me to stumble, and all they want me to do is to stumble and fall so that uh, they can reproach your name, and, and they want me to mess up. They want me to do wrong. They want me to fail. So he says, Lord, give me a plain path. Make it clear. Lord, Lord, give me a, a path that I can walk on. It doesn't have to be easy, but Lord, just give me a clear, plain path that I can walk on that's headed to you. And hold me up. Over in Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God saves us a lot of heartache if we obey it. And also it is a, a light to us. A lamp unto our feet, that's here. That's in, the, that's in the present. A light unto our path, that's in the future. That's far ahead. So, it gives us a light near and far so we can see where we're going. There's going to be lots of hills and valleys along the way. There's going to be lots of, of difficult places we're going to go through, but we're not without the light. That's what he's saying. We're, we're not without the light. I love that. A troubled life can become a testimony of God's goodness. I'm going to wrap this up here real quick. Verse 13, he says, I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He didn't lose heart. He believed that God would sustain him. He believed that. 
David's troubles compared to ours, pretty lopsided. And David said, I believe that the Lord is going to sustain me. He said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. David was saying, I've been to the edge. He said, I've almost given up. He was saying, I've, I've almost experienced more than I could bear. He's saying, but I remembered my God. And I remembered his goodness. And I remembered his blessings. And I remembered his mercies. And I remember what he's done for me in the past. And I remember his faithfulness. He said, I almost fainted. I almost gave up. But I remembered my God. He says, he's, he was testifying. He was saying his troubles in life had become, uh, uh, his troubles in life, they'd become a testimony to others. Tonight we're reading this. And David's difficult, troubled life is a testimony to us. And he's saying to us, don't give up. He's saying, I thought it was over. He's saying, I remember the goodness of God. He's saying, God's grace is going to keep you. He's saying, if you trust in the Lord, you're going to live and not die. He's saying, God will be there for his people. And he said, he said, I was right there at the verge. I was right there at the edge of giving up. He said, but then I remembered. He said, then, then I remembered that I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He said, I'm not going to die to see it. I'm going to live to see it. David said, I'm going to live to see the goodness of God right through this difficulty that I'm in. And so he offers encouragement to the weary believers. Verse 14, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. David offers Advice from his vast experience. He says, let me give you some advice, Ozark Full Gospel Church. Wait on the Lord. By inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David wrote those words so that we could hear them today. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. God is going to strengthen your heart just like he did me. Don't give up. Cry to the Lord. Believe that God can do it. Believe that he'll help you. Trust him even in, uh, even in those difficult places. Help is coming. Help is coming. God will help his children. Go ahead and bring a song, Chris. So what is... What is the takeaway from this message, really? I guess the question would be, are you a one-thing person? David was a one-thing person, and you see the life of a one-thing person. God sustained that man. The life of Paul, God sustained that man. And so I would venture to say, if you trust Christ, God will sustain you too. Remember, the Lord is your light. The Lord is your salvation. That is to say, your deliverance here and hereafter. And he is your fortress, your strength. Wait on the Lord. The Lord will help you. Let's be one thing, people. That's the challenge. 
Get alone with God. Lord, do I have many things weighing me down? Do I have many distractions? Do I focus on everything but you? Lord, let me be a one thing person that I may honor you, that I may be sustained by you. And in this life, I don't have to die to see it. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord here and now. And I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord there. Stand with me tonight. We're going to have a song. If you have any needs, you can bring those to the altar tonight and let the Lord speak to you. You can pray right where you are. Those that watch us online, I appreciate you joining us on there. You can pray right where you are. Watching us by some other means at another time. God can hear you wherever you are. Right there where you are. Let your prayer become a cry if you need to. God's ears open. Let him speak to you tonight. Go ahead, Chris.